Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Living Well with Dr. Peg. I'm your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, and thanks so much for tuning in. We're here every Thursday at One Mountain on KLZ 560, and also simulcasting now on KLDC 1220 AM. And if you're away from your radio but near a computer, and who doesn't always have their smartphone nearby, you can also stream online at drpegradio.com. Now, this week is National Mental Illness Awareness Week, and October 11th is Depression Screening Day. And something that we should always be aware of, regardless of the time of year, is suicide prevention. Uh, Suicide is the second leading cause of death for individuals ages 25 to 34, and the third leading cause of death for individuals ages 10 to 24. And men ages 25 to 54 years old account for the largest number of suicide deaths in the U.S., with men being four times more likely to die by suicide than women. And we're going to go deeper into the significance of these statistics and what you can do to help prevent suicide. Uh, But first, Living Well with Dr. Pegg is brought to you by our sponsor, SSI Guardian. And if you're concerned about school safety and workplace safety and the safety of your family, SSI Guardian has the right training, the right equipment, and the correct action plan. And it's not too late to register for SSI Guardian's Stop the Threat Advanced Safety Training taking place on October 18th at North Carolina State University. And the training addresses active shooter survival, emotional and psychological recovery, situational awareness, and 20-plus critical safety topics. So just go to SSIGuardian.com to learn more about this important training. Well, my guest today is Dr. Sally Spencer-Thomas, who is a clinical psychologist, mental health advocate, and suicide loss survivor who speaks internationally on resilience, mental health, and suicide prevention. And she she has helped to establish many large-scale gap-filling mental health efforts, including man therapy, a mental health and suicide prevention resource for men. Dr. Sally Spencer-Thomas, thanks so much for speaking with us today, and welcome to the program. Oh, Dr. Peggy, thank you so much for having me here. And we're also highlighting uh, Mental Illness Week and National Depression Screening Day this week. Um, It's a really important conversation we need to be having, so thank you. You're quite welcome. And uh, Dr. Sally Spencer-Thomas, suicide prevention is a very personal topic for you. You lost your brother to suicide and started a foundation that I've heard about here in Colorado and didn't realize uh, the connection between the foundation and you and that that it's in honor of your brother. Yeah, so I'm a a psychologist by training and that happened first. And then I lost my brother to suicide in 2004 and that's when the effort got really personal. Um, And my brother's close friends and my family did start up this foundation that operated for about 14 years to really work to change the conversation that we're having about suicide in our workplaces and schools and communities to prevent what happened from Carson from happening to anyone else. Mm -hmm. Um, And today I I do um, professional speaking and training and consulting, mostly with workplaces. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, for suicide survivors, it's really a double whammy. It's not only the death of a loved one, which we all sadly experience throughout the course of our lifetime, but it's also the circumstances that make it um, just really complicated. Um, And so we're going to be delving more into uh, suicide prevention and how it impacts um, individuals and families and communities and what we can really do. 
uh, to, um, to, to impact um, the rising suicide rates and uh, how it impacts families. And so we're going to delve more into this topic. I so appreciate you being here with us today. Um, as stated in the opening, that suicide is a leading cause of death in the United States, with almost uh, 45,000 people dying by suicide per year. Uh, and so we want to talk about how it impacts the, the many, many family members and loved ones who are left behind. So we're going to take a break and talk more with Dr. Sally Spencer-Thomas when we come back. And we'll talk about contributing factors to suicide, uh, including untreated depression. It's National Suicide Depression uh, Screening Day. And uh, we'll get more into that when we return. This is Living Well with Dr. Peg, and I'm your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. We'll be back after these messages. One needs to look no further than today's headlines to understand the threats facing American schools. They remain soft targets for violent threats, and yet our schools go largely underprepared. The SSI Guardian QAL, or Quick Action Lockdown, is the fastest and safest way to lock down a classroom. This revolutionary device provides schools with the maximum locking protection while meeting all life safety fire and building codes. Designed by the leading lock experts in the world, the QAL is the only lock that meets Department of Homeland Security primer recommendations. Our children deserve the highest level of education and the safest learning environment possible. SSI Guardian QAL now makes classroom lockdowns fast and safe with the red button. Get the QAL today by calling SSI Guardian at 877-878-5800 or go to SSIGuardian.com. Do you ever make changes, but after a few days, weeks, or even months, you slip back into your old behaviors and habits? Well, if you want something different, you've got to do something different. Yet most people won't do what's required to experience the lasting change they say they want. Why? Because change is hard, it's scary, and it comes at a cost. If you're ready to learn the fundamental principles and proven strategies for making lasting changes in your life, join me for an exclusive one-day personal transformation retreat. In this intensive yet intimate experience, you'll gain vital information and insights to help you craft a customized plan for change that you can put into action right away. Contact me today to schedule your life-changing personal transformation retreat. Go to drpegradio.com retreat. Right, welcome back, everyone. This is Living Well with Dr. Peg, brought to you by SSI Guardian, and I'm your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Thanks so much for tuning in today. It's so hard to believe there's less than three months left in 2018. Do you want to finally get unstuck and accomplish the goals you set for this year and establish new habits that will move you forward into the new year? Well, if you're ready for change, contact me today to take advantage of my personal growth coaching. It's all done by telephone, making it easy and efficient to experience the lasting change you've been striving for. Go to drpegradio.com today to schedule a complimentary session and learn how personal growth coaching is right for you. Well, we're talking about the important topic of suicide prevention today. It's National um, Mental uh, Illness Awareness Week. It's Depression Screening Day. And my uh, guest today is Dr. Sally Spencer-Thomas, and she's a clinical psychologist, mental health advocate, and suicide loss survivor herself, having lost her brother Carson. And Dr. Sally Spencer-Thomas speaks internationally and here locally as well on the topic of suicide prevention. Dr. Sally Spencer-Thomas, thanks so much for being with us today. 
Glad to be a part of it. Thank you. Yes. And, you know, we've all seen the commercials about man therapy. You were one of the developers, contributors to, to establishing that mental health and suicide prevention resource for men. Uh, it uses a little bit of humor to engage men who, as I stated in the opener, are four times more likely to die by suicide than women. Talk about uh, man therapy and how important uh, that's been uh, in engaging men in this conversation. Yeah, so it really started off, um, there were three partners at the table, uh, our group and then Cactus Marketing, which is a full-service advertising agency based in Denver, and Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment. So we had this really great public-private nonprofit partnership, and we just started looking at the data, not just in Colorado, but throughout the country, and noticed that there was a certain demographic that was really higher risk for suicide, and that was working-aged men. And within that group of working-aged men, um, we call them double jeopardy men. Mm. So it's men that have a number of risk factors for suicide that are also least likely to seek help on their own. These guys were falling through the cracks because all of the mental health promotion, um, treatment kinds of messaging were, were not hitting them. So we realized we had to do something different um, and it had to meet the men where they were because they're not, they were not reaching out for mental health resources because they really didn't see their despair or distress through a lens of depression or anxiety. They felt like they were overwhelmed by their life circumstances. Mm. So Man Therapy, and you can all check it out, go kick the tires, mantherapy.org, um, is uh, an approach to try to at least get their attention, if not um, invite them to, in to self-screen. And like you mentioned, we use humor, which was a very bold approach mm. <laughs> to yeah. deal with mental health stuff. Um, but we tested it out with this group of men, and, and they really resonated with it. Um, they appreciated the humor as a way to kind of enter them in gently into this conversation about mental health. And then once they were in the door, um, they took, you know, hundreds of thousands of them now have taken this 20-point head inspection mm. that lets them figure out how bad is it. Hmm. And they screen themselves for depression, anxiety, substance use, and anger. So it's really cool. Yeah, that I mean, that's awesome. And we've all seen the the uh, commercials and uh, doctor what is what's his name again dr rich dr rich mahogany yes yeah. mahogany that's right and so it really is a way to break down the kind of the barrier and even the stigma because we know stigma is such a such a significant factor in um, folks accessing mental health care and intervention and so that little bit of humor uh, breaks down that stigma that's right. It's, the humor is just really to get them in the door. And mm -hmm. once they're in, then, then they can figure out what, you know, here's some things I can use to help myself. Here's some peer support, professional help, crisis care. Um, and then we have a whole video library of real guys, you know, mm -hmm. talking about how they've lived through it. So that's a big part of it as well. Mm -hmm. And let's talk a little bit about the language that's used uh, around uh, this conversation of mental health and um, suicide in particular, because we've seen a shift in the recommendations of how to even talk about suicide. Can you can you share some of that with us today? Yeah, I always say uh, our words make our world. And by that, I mean that our language uh, is shaped by our culture, and uh, we also shape culture through our language. So um, the phrase committed suicide uh, actually emerged out of a time when we primarily thought of suicide as a sin and a crime. Mm -hmm. So it's based in that framework, which today we understand it far more as a health issue, as a health crisis, 
um, or the very complicated interweaving of um, things that are happening in our environments and in our genetics. And anyway, it's far more. Um, and it's and thinking about it as a sin or crime is really a, a derogatory perspective. So that was something that you know I, I started hearing about way back in you know 2005 when I first started digging a little bit deeper after Carson died, and so I I defaulted to completed suicide. Mm-hmm. And while that's better, uh, it's it still has this connotation like it's a cousin successful or unsuccessful. Right, we say sometimes you'll hear people say it was a successful suicide mm-hmm. or it was an unsuccessful attempt, um, and people always cringe when they use those terms because it doesn't feel right to um, attach what we usually use for an adjective that's positive and it's an achievement oriented to something so tragic as suicide. Um, so here's the litmus test, and I'll address the mental health language in just a second, but the litmus test for suicide is if you swap out the word suicide with the word cancer, mm. and it sounds wonky, it's often because we have attached some kind of pejorative concept to it. So we wouldn't say successful cancer, we wouldn't say committed cancer, we wouldn't say cancer attempt, we would just say they, they are living with cancer, or they died of cancer, mm. or they lived through a bout of cancer. And so we can also, or their cancer survivor, right? Mm-hmm. We also use that phrase. So it really speaks about the resiliency uh, and that also the, the death or the illness doesn't define them. Um, so that's kind of the, the important shift. And so right. if you're going to talk about suicide, you should just say died of suicide, suicide death, or suicide attempt. Mm-hmm. And just leave it at that. And I learned many years ago that same substitution. You wouldn't say a person is a, is a schizophrenic. You wouldn't say a person is a canceric. So why do we say right. a person is a schizophrenic, right? And so it's right. that same shift. I appreciate what you're saying, that our, our, our words are powerful and they shape our perceptions as well and contribute to or break down that stigma. Right. And I think another one that you just also mentioned is that, you know, let's focus on the resilience side of the equation. Mm-hmm. Let's focus on the coping, the getting through it, the growing from it mm-hmm. even, so rather than, you know, they're struggling with suicidal thoughts uh, or depressive experiences, you know what, they're living through it. Mm-hmm. They are, they're, they're, you know, they're growing through it sometimes. People, you know, are often forged in moments of crisis to have new insights about their relationships, their purpose in the world, and all of that. So, so sometimes growth happens out of you know, coming through some of our darkest moments. And I think when you start to realize that, um, it puts a different shift on it and more from victim to survivor. Mm-hmm. And as we're raising awareness during National Mental Illness Awareness Week, we can also highlight the stories of resilience, uh, the stories of people who do grow through uh, mental illness and even a, a, a suicide attempt. Um, and so we can really give, we can inspire folks instead of it's feeling hopeless and depressing. We can say, look at these folks who grew through this, uh, this ordeal that they experienced. That's right. You know, you mentioned that very daunting statistic of 45,000 people dying of suicide. And I didn't know really have context for what that was, but since we're in the playoffs of, you know, entering the playoffs of the world series, that's about as many people as fits in many of our mm. professional baseball stadiums, like wow. Wrigley Field. That's about how many people would be in there. Um, but here's the, here's the statistic I like to start to share. For every one person who dies of suicide, there are now 280 people who have 
serious thoughts of suicide and don't die. Mm-hmm. So the overwhelming majority of people are finding ways through it. They're getting treatment. They're getting sober. They're leaving toxic you know, work environments or toxic and violent relationships. Um, they are growing through it, and they're getting the help they need to get back on track. And, again, the overwhelming majority of those folks will not go on to attempt um, and most people who go on to attempt, who live through that, do not go on to die by suicide. So there's a lot of reasons to be hopeful here. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, of strength, and there's also a lot of treatment that's helping people. Yes, that's wonderful. That's a good um, uh, statistic to focus on because it shows us that suicidal thoughts are not uncommon. To have that thought and to think about it and yet still uh, make the choice for life and the choice to get help and the choice to persevere, that's an extremely encouraging message. That's right, yeah. But we also don't hear those stories mm-hmm. because um, people have been conditioned to be ashamed or, um, you know, just not to share it publicly. But there are so many people who are coming out proud. Like, I, I went through a really hard time, and I'm proud that I survived this, and I'm, I'm proud, and I want to use my experience to help other people. That's been a big trend that we've started mm-hmm. to see within the field of suicidology is very inspiring work of people who've lived through their suicide intensity. That's right, and all of the celebrities who have come out, so to speak, uh, publicly and shared their experiences with mental illness, with um, substance abuse and dependence and addiction, and even suicidal thoughts and attempts, that really is, is helping uh, folks to, to, to see that this, is, this might even just be part of um, our human condition is that sometimes things get tough and we have thoughts and we have, um, you know, feel like giving up, and yet uh, we can move forward, we can grow and live. Uh, I want to talk um, uh, about a related topic, though, um, Dr. Sally, Uh, suicide contagion, because it's kind of a a balance between talking openly about suicide and suicide awareness and prevention and hope and lived experiences, and at the same time being careful about uh, what's known as suicide contagion when someone does die by suicide and how that can affect those around them. We've seen here in the Denver area Uh, some recent suicides. Uh, Two high school students died by suicide recently. And at the beginning of the school year, a nine-year-old boy, Denver boy, um, killed himself. Um, And uh, we want to be careful about when we we see those things happening, especially amongst young people, um, how do we contain that suicide contagion and kind of balance that with talking openly about people's struggles uh, to inspire hope? Yeah, very good. Yes, there's actually quite a bit of research that distinguishes the two very clearly. Okay. So um, one is called uh, the Werther effect, and it goes back to a time where there was a story about this man named Werther, and his suicide was publicized through the literature back in the day, and people copycatted the same method mm-hmm. and the same circumstances as his death. And so that's what we consider when we, when we talk about unsafe messaging after a suicide death. So unsafe messaging after a suicide death is things that publicly talk about the means of the death and glamorize and romanticize the details of the death and the death scene and kind of all of those headlines that are, um, you know, they're traumatizing and they're triggering when you even read them. Mm -hmm. Those are the kinds of, we call it media effect now, because it's not so much that the person themselves was contagious. It was how the, the death was spoken about publicly. Um, so that's a very different thing than what I was talking about 
before, which is sharing stories of hope and recovery, which is now have a whole body of literature around it called the Papazino effect. <laughs> and uh, this also comes out of literature. And it, it, it's the same, you know, preface in that, but it has the, the opposite effect in that when people are talking about living through suicide intensity, um, getting help, getting a different perspective, engaging in healthier behaviors, that too becomes contagious. Mm. So the hope side of it can also become contagious when we are sharing public stories of recovery um, or of resilience or however you want to term it. Um, But we see that that is also something that starts to pick up speed is that people say, oh, they lived through it. I can get to the other side too. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's why I do believe like almost more than anything I felt in my now 14 years of doing this work, that the storytelling Mm. is one of our most powerful tools that is going to get us through this. But you're right. It is a storytelling that is, uh, it's careful. Um, it, it needs to, the storyteller needs to be prepared, and they also need to understand what safe and effective messaging looks like. So that's been one of my new passion areas is mm-hmm. how, how do we help people know if they're ready to tell their story, and then how do they tell their story mm. for, the, for the biggest impact for themselves and their audience. Yes, that's wonderful. And so there really is an important role of the media is to inform and educate and then also to craft um, those safe and effective messages as they're telling the stories of those with um, lived experience who are are, are recovering and, and demonstrating resilience. Uh, that can be extremely powerful. Yeah, the media, um, you know, they have such power mm-hmm. in sh- shaping our collective ideas around this, but they also have, so they can use that for good uh, or, or they can use that for unsafe practices, um, but they also have a really powerful um, mechanism to share the resources in ways that, you know, mm-hmm. your mom and pop mental health clinic down the street's just never going to get there. So they've, they've figured this out. And so even with the high-profile suicide deaths that we had in June, um, almost every report that came out from a responsible media source, because that was, you know, what we would consider, unfortunately, newsworthy. They cannot not tell those mm-hmm. stories. They, they have to say something. Um, but many of our very responsible journalists were very quickly talking about treatment ta- and sharing resources for hotline and crisis support. So that we're starting to see that that's been a really important shift uh, and the media taking some responsibility for doing the right thing. Right. Absolutely. And we want to be sure to do that today as well. I want you, we have about uh, four minutes left to talk about some of the signs that someone might be suicidal and what people can do to help to intervene and what those resources would be. Yeah, so sometimes you are going to see a change in behavior or a change in mood where people become withdrawn or um, or agitated. That would be the other spectrum of it. Um, they're basically just not being themselves, and the things that they're exhibiting just demonstrate that they are unwell. Um, so there's something going on. Um, a lot of times you'll often see decreases in sleep. That could be a huge telltale sign or increases in substance use. Um, so those are some of the outward-facing signs. Sometimes, however, people may, for good reason, try to conceal that um, for fear of, you know, being discriminated against or treated poorly. So unlike other types of health issues, you're not going to see, you know, a broken bone or get something on a diagnostic test, you know, from an x-ray or anything like that. You, the only way in is by having compassionate, caring conversations with people where you need to take the time to create safe space and 
listen intently, Mm -hmm. listen with the heart to hold that person through their pain and connect them to life-saving resources. Mm -hmm. Um, So we do really encourage people, it's hard to cover this in two minutes or less, Mm -hmm. um, but we really do encourage people to take training, regardless of who you are. There are several um, evidence-based trainings that help people um, go dig deeper into these warning signs and risk factors and then how to have these compassionate and connecting conversations. So QPR is one. A question, persuade, refer, uh, and then safe talk is another. Um, many communities offer these for free, and you only, the only requirement is that you're 15 years old or older mm-hmm. to take those trainings. So please get yourself trained. Mm-hmm. And I've taken several of those trainings. They're really um, easy to grasp. Some of them have acronyms that help you remember uh, what to do, you know, to listen carefully and to ask the question Dr. Sally, are you thinking about killing yourself? Uh, Some people think, mistakenly believe that asking is going to plant the idea in a person's head, but in fact, it really communicates, I'm listening carefully, I hear, I'm reading between the lines, I see, I see you, and I'm asking. Right. And so we shouldn't be afraid to ask that question. Excellent summary. Yes, that's right. All right. Well, and let's give out um, the, the resources, um, the National Suicide Hotline number uh, that folks can call. And I would recommend that they should program it into their cell phone even right now as you give out that number. Yeah, so I would say this is for anyone out there who's listening who's currently in crisis and you don't even have to be thinking about suicide, but you're feeling you're really overwhelmed. Or if you're worried about someone, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's an employee or a coworker. Um, the two that I'm going to promote, one is the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, and that number is 1-800-273-8255. Again, 1-800-273-8255. Those last four numbers spell the word talk, um, which is what's going to happen when you call that mm-hmm. number. People are going to listen to you. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one is the crisis text line. So if you text hello mm. to 741-741, someone's going to come on the other side of that text really quickly and just kind of help you talk through uh, what needs to happen awesome. Um, awesome. You know, in, in a very short period of time. Yeah. Yes, and so many of us are living life on our smartphones and texting, and so so that's awesome that we can text for help. Dr. Sally Spencer-Thomas, thanks so much for being with me for this important conversation. Yeah, this was a great interview, Peggy. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I appreciate you're, it. You're welcome. And I'll have a link to Dr. Sally Spencer-Thomas on my website, drpegradio.com, where you can also find the program archives and share this important interview with a friend. Thanks for tuning in. My guest was Dr. Sally Spencer-Thomas, and I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, reminding you to live well. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Living Well with Dr. Peg. For program information or to contact Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark about her life-transforming books, coaching, and retreats, go to drpegradio.com.